This is Brother Hilton, and he is truly a man of God. And I love him dearly, and I'm so thankful that he is shouldering this load right now. I want you to come, and I want you to take your liberty, and don't worry about the fact that I'm here. You just preach what's on your heart, and I'm going to be behind you. I'm your biggest fan, I promise you. God bless you tonight. We love you, Brother Hilton. Amen. Thank the Lord for his presence here tonight. Amen. I feel his touch from the moment I came into the sanctuary for prayer and, and uh, on into the worship service. And uh, Brother Nelson, I'm going to blame you because I was trying to be careful with my voice and then you just picked out some good songs and we just, we just couldn't hold back. But uh, anyway, um, I thought Pastor was going to... Oh, first, you could be seated for a second. Uh, I thought Pastor was going to say that the miracle was that I could put together a coherent thought and, and convey that across the pulpit. No, I'm just kidding. I know he wouldn't have done that. But that's, that's what I feel like every time I stand behind this pulpit. Is it's, a, it's a miracle that I can even uh, bring, something, uh, bring something before you. But the Lord has given us special grace, and I think that is, um, I give God the glory. But I also give honor to my pastor. Uh, he's the reason why. And I'm not just, we're not just up here sharing, um, you know, pinning accolades on one another, but I think I just want you to know where my heart is and how I feel about my pastor. And uh, we wouldn't be having the kind of church that we're having if, if he hadn't uh, taken the time to invest in this church, these 28 years of, of tremendous teaching and preaching. I was thinking about this while we we're worshiping. There's just some things, you'd, um, and I'm not trying to, you know, al but already there have been some things that that I've run across, I'm like, man, you know, if that part, if that wasn't part of, you know, you know, we're talking about, let me just use this uh, illustration. Pastors put me in the position as overseer or whatever. If that wasn't part of the job, man, I'd love to do this forever. You know, there's a certain things, um, but pastor has shouldered those loads for 28 years, with and without, uh, with with all those challenges and and those things, the weights and the things that carry them. I feel like I'm messing this all up, but I. Um, he, he carries such a heavy load for the past 28 years, and I'm, I barely, just now, have started to feel um, just a little bit of, of what he has felt for 28 years. And I don't know how you've done it, Pastor, but I give you honor and respect, and I love and appreciate you. And uh, amen. Amen. <clears throat> and I also want to say to this church, well, before I move past Pastor, I want to also say I love and appreciate Sister Riggin. She's the one that put up with me for so many years, too. <laughs> She's the one that got me out of the third grade. So, <laughs> um, lots of stories there. But I also give honor and respect to this church because uh, you've listened to this man. You've obeyed, and, and that's what has brought us to where we are here. And honestly, this has been uh, way easier than I thought it would be, if I can just be honest, because God has been good, good to us, and he's the reason that we're all here today. So we give honor and glory to God. And uh, so, all right, now, why don't we stand together and honor the word of the Lord? Matthew chapter 17, verse 17 through 21. Um, by the way, Erica, 
meet Pastor Riggin. Pastor Riggin, meet Erica. <laughs> we've, we've talked about you, Pastor and Sister Riggin, to Erica, and, and I, I told her, I said, I promise he exists. He's, he's, he walks on this planet, and occasionally he comes through Olathe, and we're blessed. <laughs> no, he, he's just, this is just a, a unique time that, that you've come to the Truth Church, and so wanted, I didn't want to neglect to introduce you. But Matthew chapter 17, verse 17 through 21. says, Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse, perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? Why couldn't we do it, Jesus? Verse 20, And Jesus said unto, him, unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Everybody say nothing. Nothing, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Amen. I want to lay, why don't we lay down our Bibles? I want to preach to you tonight for just a few minutes, and I'll try to be as succinct as possible on the subject of unshakable faith. Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Jesus, we rely totally upon you, God. We know that you're able. Jesus, we give you glory and honor and praise. We worship your holy name. Know that you're willing today will do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I pray that you would help me to get out of the way. Let your spirit speak and minister to this congregation. I pray, Lord, that you would be in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Amen. Jesus' response to, to the disciples to those who brought this man that was possessed with the devil is pretty shocking because his, his response is, oh, faithless and perverse generation. And I, I have a hard time, you just have to bear with me because I have a hard time believing that while Jesus was standing there, that, that those that were around him were struggling with faith. That, that his generation was the generation that, that struggles with faith. He, cites, uh, he is cited in other passages as using this same uh, term, faithless, uh, in, in two other passages describing the same story about the, the, the young man who was possessed with the Spirit and how the Lord rebuked him, but he was correcting his disciples and, and, and really teaching them, showing them how to do this when he's leaving, when he's gone. And, um, and so one was Mark's account, one was Luke's account, but the fourth time was when Jesus was directly addressing one of his disciples. That's Thomas, old doubting Thomas. In John chapter 20, verse 27, then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless. Don't be faithless, Thomas, but believing. 
Amen. I have said this, I think it was on Sunday that I said this, so I've said this before, but I will say it again because it bears repeating that God will give you the evidence that you need so that you can believe. Even for the doubting Thomas, even for the faithless and doubting Thomas, God is interested in establishing and erecting faith in our life. He wants us to believe unshakably, no matter what comes our way, no matter what we face in our own lives, in circumstances that seem insurmountable. If you bring it to God, God will give you that assurance that you need. Hallelujah. Thomas, reach hither your finger and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. Amen. I preached a message in the past on this subject or on the, along these lines that you have more faith than one of Jesus' own chosen disciples had. Because what Jesus said in the next couple of scriptures, verse 29, he says, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. If you're sitting in this place tonight, uh, I would dare say that you haven't seen Jesus face to face like Thomas did. But Jesus said that you're blessed because you are maintaining faith without having sight. Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter Chapter 11, that faith uh, is a substance of ho things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is the basis of our entire walk with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mentioned on Sunday a study um, and some observations that were made by the study performed by faith communities today. And uh, here's some other Idea, uh, other observations that I made out of that, um, out of that reading. In 20 years, churches have dropped in attendance by more than 50%. We're talking about the last 20 years. And this isn't just some random set of dates. We're talking about since, 20, uh, since 2000 to 2020, they have captured and every five years they would count attendances uh, on, on across denominations. And they've marked that the overall attendance to all denominal churches, every kind of church that you can imagine, has dropped in total by 50%. The median congregation size in the United States has decreased by 137 people. Uh, sorry, has decreased from 137 people in two decades uh, to 65 people. So this is the median. If you stack rank everybody in order from least to greatest, the one right in the center, uh, 20 years ago in 2000 would have been 137. But now it is 65. Or in 2020 it was 65. In 2023 it moved from 65 to 60. In just three years. And another interesting statistic along with that is that a third of those 60, so 20 out of 60, are 65 years old and above. So we are living in what I would consider a faithless generation. I, th I think that what we're, what we're dealing with is, is a, a decrease in faith. Across the board, it doesn't matter what church you attend. Um, it doesn't matter what what 
what part of the the Christian world that that person finds himself across the board. We are as a country and as a, I think even as a world, we are losing we are losing faith. There are still churches that preach the the resurrection of Jesus and they have a semblance of faith. They have they preach what they they believe can be understood as faith and believing. But but the numbers, the 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 data that, that I just cited is indicating that less and less people are believing what is being preached. I don't know where you place the blame. I don't know if you place it on those who are leading those congregations or in the congregation. So that one's above my pay grade. You can ask Bishop about that one. But, but as far, I'm just telling you what I've, I've seen and what I'm reading, what I understand. And, and the Bible tells us about these days. First Timothy chapter four, verse one. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shout apart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. It's a, a pretty rocky time. It's a pretty faithless generation that we find ourselves in. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised saying, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And his word yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken. This truth, this word that is unchanging, when it falls on the ears and the hearts of those who are shakable, when the word is spoken and the one that receives it is shaken, the Bible tells us that those are the ones that will be removed. Yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as the things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. This is the purpose of the truth church, is to declare the absolute, unadulterated word of God. Absolute truth. Not a, it is my objective tonight and in every opportunity I get to stand behind this pulpit to share with you as raw and as pure and as unfiltered truth as possible. You know why? Because what I'm looking for are those who are unmoved, those who are unshakable, those who are staying steady and who can remain. Hallelujah. This is what the kingdom of God consists of is those who remain, those who are not shaken. When the word of God comes forth, amen, there are some, the Bible tells us in another passage that, that they can't endure sound doctrine. Amen. When doctrine is preached, when truth is preached, there are some who heap to themselves, they, they reject outright the truth. The Bible says they turn away from the truth unto fables. They are heaving to themselves, to put in Paul's words, teachers having itching ears. They are interested only in what, this is why, this is another observation that I made in that study, that, that many of those people who are leaving churches broadly, we have some 300,000 plus churches in the United States. The, the, the majority of those churches are small rural churches. But as, as the, the 
uh, nature of the, the areas change. What I mean by that is most people are moving from uh, rural areas to more uh, city-style uh, geographies. They, they, they are not interested in staying in distance, but they're, they're coming more and more together, and that means the cities are becoming more densely populated. And what is happening there is that in those major cities, in those areas, or in the suburban areas of those major cities are what has been deemed megachurches. Any church that's above 1,800 is considered a megachurch. And those churches are being filled. In fact, during the same time, I don't have the stat I should have brought up, but I, this only occurred to me as I was reading the scripture. So you have to forgive me. And if you want the information, I can share it with you. But in the same time, those churches, uh, broadly, because the majority of churches are the small churches that are in those rural communities, 300,000, I think some 70% of all churches are in rural areas. But the majority of the attendance, the reason why overall attendance is dropping by 50%, which is a sizable sum, is because uh, some of them are leaving church altogether, but the majority of those who are leaving are actually migrating to these mega churches. And there's a, there's a, a correlative uh, percentage that I can give to you. That way you'll have it, and, and that way you don't have to take my word for it. I can just share the information with you, and I wish I'd thought to put it in at this point. But, but I, can, I can give it to you. I can cite my source here. But it's important for us to understand the reason why. Why, why are these people moving from this, these small churches to these faith-based churches, to these churches that are, that are less organized, but more about uh, the, the word, possibly, or more about, uh, more about the individuals, but they're moving from that to a, to a larger style congregation, and where, where there's perhaps more organization and more uh, entertainment and things like that. I'll say that's, I think that's the reason. I think the reason is because there's, it's more professionalized, it's more standardized, it's more streamlined. I can fit it into my schedule better. I can, I can, I can write off, I can check the box that I went to church. All the while still being entertained. Still feeding my, the carnal desires of, of my, uh, my flesh. But God is not looking for those who are looking for the next best uh, entertainment option as a church. He's looking for faith. That's all. Those who will believe in him. In word and in deed. Not just professing faith, but living faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is looking for those who will remain steady. Hallelujah. Un, unshaken by, by the, the, the winds and the, the turmoil that comes from life. Amen. Unshakable faith. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 says this. Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. That word perilous times is troublesome. Troublesome times. That's, that's, we can read through that, but in the interest of time, I won't. Second uh, Peter chapter three, verse three says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. You guys have been preaching this message 
for so many years. You've been telling me that Jesus is coming for 2,000 plus years. You've been preaching that old one God message for over 2,000 years. How do, you've been preaching the necessity of the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues and, and baptism in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name only for over 2,000 years. What gives? Why? Because God is looking for those who have faith. He wants, he wants a church in this last day to stand firmly on the word of God. Come what, what did Paul say? He said, if God, let God be true and every man a liar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where are you putting your faith? I mean, these people scoffing, making fun of us, running after their own lust because what they're looking for is a temporal, I mean, exchange. What they're looking for is something that will feed their immediate desires. But there is a few here. There is a few at the True Church in Olathe, Kansas. There is a few across these United States that are still looking for that great return of our blessed Savior. Hallelujah. One blessed day when our, our human bodies, our frail and weak, broken bodies, no longer contain our spirit. But we can go up and live with our Father forever. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that day excites me. It makes me want to live for Jesus. It makes me want to move higher. Hallelujah. 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 Trying to find a scripture here is Luke chapter. I know it's in Luke chapter 18. Looks. Yeah, Luke chapter 18, verse 8. Let me just throw that up if you can, Brother Josh. Luke chapter 18, verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. That's what he wants. He's looking for faith. He's looking for us to continue to believe in him. All right? I know this is not anything profound. I know time is ticking here. So let's get to where we're going. The wise man said that there's nothing new under the sun. Abraham decided to follow God, even though he couldn't see the God that he was following. Abraham decided to follow God, even though he didn't see the land to which God was taking him. But Abraham believed. Abraham had faith. Bible tells us in Romans chapter 4 verse 20 that he staggered not. He was unmovable. He was unshaken. Amen. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Amen. It didn't matter who came to him. It didn't matter what enemy came to him. He was fully persuaded that what he had promised... Hallelujah, hallelujah. The promises of God are yea and amen. If he said it, I believe it. I am fully persuaded that whatever he has promised me, he is also able to perform it. Oh, hey, I feel some faith rising in this place tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I know uh, what kind of services we had on Sunday night. You can stand. You can be seated. Whatever you feel like doing. I'm not going to try to help you out there. You're full grown adults. You can, you can figure that out on your own. Amen. But we had good service Sunday. But I've got a few phone calls. Amen. Just yesterday. This happened. And that happened. This happened. You know what's happening? Now we can, we can blame the devil. We can, we can certainly find all kinds of, all kinds of excuses. My brother self has already gotten to the point. There's a shaking. There's a shaking going on. Amen. At the truth church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he's saying, Hey, how's the faith over here? Is everything okay? Is everything okay in the Johnson household? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, thank you, Brother Jaheem, for pushing past all your pain and playing the drums tonight. Nobody knew this, but he was at work yesterday, and somebody ran over his foot with a truck, some kind of piece of equipment, and he went to the clinic, and amen, thankfully, he's okay, nothing broken, but, but he pushed through all that, amen, to be at church tonight. Hallelujah. That's the kind of faith that we're looking for. Hallelujah. Hey, that's faith. That I think it's worth my time in spite of the pain, in spite of my circumstance, in spite of what I'm going through. It's worth my time, amen, to spend time with Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13 says, When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Hallelujah. Saying, surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Oh, somebody needs to hear this tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Sometimes I think, uh, amen, we get a little few goosebumps uh, like we had on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And we think all things should be well. But then we wake up on Monday morning and we realize that maybe everything is not, uh, amen, hunky-dory. And let me just tell you, God's just looking for a little faith. That's the answer to all of your problems. Do you believe? God, yes, I believe. But help thou my unbelief. Oh, hallelujah. God wants to give strength to the children of God. Hallelujah. Who do believe? Hallelujah. It requires endurance. It requires perseverance. Hallelujah. But yes, I believe God. Hallelujah. I'm not here to tell you it's going to be easy. I'm not here to tell you that it's going to just happen. Amen. It does. All the dots don't connect themselves. Friend, you got to just believe. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus said, Oh, faithless generation, how long do I have to be here to put this seed in you? How long do I have to, to be on earth to put this, this, what he said, I think in the same passage, that it was a faith the, uh, the size of a seed of a grain of mustard seed. Wow, I totally messed that up. Faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. There we go. 
Thank you for the gift of interpretation, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's not a lot of faith. That's not, that's not a bunch. It's, but it's enough. Hallelujah. It's enough to keep us where we need to be. Hallelujah. It's enough to give us that assurance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you believe? Do you believe? Hallelujah. I believe him. I know that life can be hard. I, I know. I know that circumstances seem, when we try to look at them and measure them out and try to understand how we're going to solve this problem, I know it's, it's difficult sometimes, but... I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed ever begging for bread. He's the provider. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. He's the shelter. He's everything. Yes. I believe him. Hallelujah. I said I believe him. Hallelujah. Judah, amen, encouraged the church by saying, ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. This takes us really kind of to where I want to be for this last few minutes when Jesus addressed the faithless generation in Mark and Luke and, and in, our, in our text that we read tonight in Matthew. He said, oh, faithless generation. And then the end of that discourse, he said, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. How, how do we build our faith? How do we obtain that unshakable, that, that, that sustainable faith? Well, some of you could probably preach this better than I can. Because I, I sense that you already know where I'm going. Hallelujah. Like Jesus said, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. That's Mark's rendition. Jude, as I already quoted, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We dealt with this a little bit in, uh, in our spiritual warfare lessons. But I want to... I wanna, do a little bit of review, if that's okay. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 tells us, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. And what's the purpose of the armor of God? Anybody remember? Well, it's in the scripture, so you have a cheat code here. That you may be able to withstand. You can withstand in the evil day. In what day? The faithless generation. The evil day. The day when, when the enemy is coming and attacking, the day whenever life is throwing its, its things at you, you need to be able to withstand in that day. And so here's the armor of God. The girdle of truth or the belt of truth, which allows us to walk through the spiritual battlefield with a sure step, knowing that we are standing on a foundation of truth. The breastplate of righteousness, and as Pastor mentioned in his lesson on learning to make war, keeping my heart with all diligence, as the wise man said in Proverbs. Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace because of the peace of the Holy Ghost that lives on the inside. Our feet are shod with that blessed assurance. When everyone else is panicking because of wars and rumors of wars, we have a, a peace that passes all understanding. They don't understand why we're not worried about the economy. They don't understand why we're not concerned about our job and our, our 
our whole, the, the, this country's situation. And friend, it looks doom and gloomy out there. But let me tell you, amen, we don't have to be worried because we've got the peace of the gospel. Hallelujah. And finally, or in addition to that, the shield of faith. When the enemy's fiery darts of deceit, anger, pity, hatefulness, and variance come, I can quench them with my confidence in God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Job 13 and 15 says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Oh, hallelujah. The helmet of salvation. Amen. No matter what happens here on earth, we have the promise of salvation to come. Talked about it already a little bit. Titus chapter 2, verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the helmet of salvation. One of these days. Hallelujah. We don't have to stick around here. When this whole world burns up with a fervent heat, uh, we're going to be dancing on clouds of joy. Hallelujah. On streets of gold, running our hands down walls of jasper. Hallelujah. Dipping in, uh, amen, the, the rivers. Hallelujah. We're going to be in heaven. All right, all right. You guys are waiting for me to get there. I want to get there, but I'm just enjoying myself a little bit. Sword of the Spirit is our offensive tool that allows us to go on offense against the enemy. Or perhaps better put, it's the ammo for our offensive weapon. Let me, let me explain myself. When Jesus was battling with the enemy in the wilderness after his long fast, what was it that he used to overcome the enemy? It is written... Somebody shout it. It is written. It is written. It is written. That's our ammo. That's, that's our strategy. That's how we go to war. That's, that's the thing that will, that will destroy the enemy. Hallelujah. If we never read the word, I was going to cite those scriptures, but you guys already know it. So we're going to save a little bit of time there too. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, 6 through 7 and 10. Many, in each temptation, each time the enemy came and tempted Jesus, Jesus said, it is written. If we never read the word of God, then we don't have the artillery necessary. If we don't know what's in the word of God, we don't know how to take aim at the enemy. We don't know how, amen, to, uh, to limit what he can do to us. Word of God is quick and powerful. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Amen. So we talk about the armor of God and all these various components of the armor of God. And we talked about its purpose. Its purpose is to withstand the enemy. How? How? What is the actual, what is the practical way that we can withstand the enemy? We talked about reading the word to get our, our, our ammo. That's one way. But Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13, says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Praying always, he said. 
I think the phrase praying always is somewhat of a misnomer, not because of the author of Ephesians. I, didn't think, I don't think Paul missed it. But I think the, the translators perhaps maybe uh, could have used a better way of explaining what Paul was saying right here. Because praying always is, is should kind of, uh, it, it maybe is better stated this way, to never stop praying. Doesn't mean to pray all hours of the day or every minute of the day or every second that passes by. But what you should do is never stop. Come what may, no matter how many times you've submitted that prayer request, no matter how many times, hallelujah, that you have come before God, you've laid it out. Praying always, praying always, praying always. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, uh, informed us uh, that we should never stop praying. Uh, amen. We should always pray uh, with all prayer uh, and supplication in the spirit. I've already mentioned and cited for you, Jude. Uh, amen. How we mentioned when we're praying in the spirit, it's building up our faith. Uh, amen. Uh, just ride with me for a little bit. Jesus, uh, amen, said this same thing uh, in the parable that we read in our, uh, that we uh, have already re referenced a few minutes ago. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 says, He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Pray always praying always that men ought always to pray paul did not originate this message jesus did jesus did and and jesus uh, this is not in my notes but jesus didn't just preach the message he lived it there were countless times in Scripture that, well, I'm sure you can count them, but there are many times in Scripture that Jesus slipped away to his place of prayer, and the disciples are, where's Jesus at? Oh, he's praying. Hallelujah. This is how, when, when the young man that was possessed with the Spirit, when Jesus spoke, hallelujah, Jesus said it, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting because Jesus had been praying because Jesus had been had this unshakable faith that God is going to hear my prayer when I open my mouth and when I lift my voice in faith that God is listening to every word that I'm saying Oh, somebody hear me tonight. Hallelujah. This is how you obtain unshakable faith. Amen. Jesus is getting ready to tell a story and just illustrate for us. Amen. That we should never, never stop praying. Oh, somebody hear me tonight. I'm not talking about just when you come to church. I'm not talking about when, uh, when you get the, the, you know, the goosebumps and somebody else has been praying for a little bit and, and you feel encouraged, so now you're going to pray. I'm not talking about uh, making it through pre-service prayer, although that's important. I'm talking about those hard prayers. I don't know how many times we prayed, and I'm not trying to embarrass Brother Hall, but I feel like he could take it. <laughs> um, how many times we pray for Sister Hall? But thank you, Brother Hall, for continuing to pray for Sister Hall and put in that prayer request. That shows faith. You shouldn't be embarrassed to bring the same prayer request before God again. You know why? Because that's faith. Right. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is unshakable faith. It doesn't matter how many times I've prayed this prayer. God, I'm here again because I know where my answer is. It isn't in medication. It isn't in money. It isn't in the banker. It isn't in my boss. It's in you. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 18, verse 2, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. I heard one preacher say that you're preaching a message, whether you know it or not, with your lifestyle, with the way you respond to that person at the gas station, with the way that you respond or reach out to those at the grocery store, your family members, you are preaching a message. And that's what Jesus would say. You need to listen to what this unjust judge, this unjust judge is preaching. He doesn't even realize that he's, he's sharing with us uh, some insight that we need to hear tonight. Because this widow troubleth me. I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she weary me. At some point, this poor widow had convinced the unjust judge that I will never stop asking. <laughs> Maybe the first day she came knocking on the door and he's like, yeah, I've been, I've dealt with ladies like this before. No, I've got business to tend to. And then the next day, hey, avenge me. I don't even know, I, the Bible doesn't say, but I imagine the lady was pretty distraught. She was, she was pretty, she wanted it pretty bad. I don't know if she was crying out. I don't know if she was just making the petition. I don't know if she was sending word through somebody. I don't know. But she made sure that she came back as many times as was necessary. Because she knew. She knew that the judge, unjust or not, had the answer. That if she asked enough times, Sister Nelson, that she would get that answer. Verse 7, shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? And then listen to this next scripture. It seems to almost contradict verse 7. It says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. How do you bear long with somebody and avenge them speedily? That, that does not compute. I, I'm... I'm too binary for this, this stuff. And I prayed about this. I almost called pastor. Pastor can correct me if I'm wrong, too. But I feel like, I feel like the Lord may have given me a little clue about this. And the clue is in verse 7. It says, Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night, though he bear long 
with them. That same word, that, the word that's translated bear long, is also the word that's translated as long-suffering in other passages. Jesus, or God, is being long-suffering with us. God is, 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 can I say it this way? God is waiting on us. It literally means to be long-suffering. So the passage that we read in verse 7, it says that God is bearing long with, his, with those who are coming, crying day and night, right? That's who the Lord is bearing long with. His own elect, the ones that are willing to cry out day and night, those are the ones that God is waiting on. Now, you could come to pastor or come to me and say, well, I've been praying for this for 20 years. I've been praying for this for 30. I've been praying for this for a year, whatever the circumstance. God says, Jesus is the one telling this story, by the way. He said that I'm bearing long with those who are crying out day and night. We're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible tells us the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Peter confirms what, what, what Jesus said, or perhaps is reiterating what Jesus said in that parable that he heard that day, that God is not slack. The promises that God has made to us, he, he is not going to, to take those promises back. They are yea and amen. The, the promises of God are yea and amen. He's not slack. He's not fudging. He's not trying to get by with, with, with building your faith and then, then, and then just skipping out on you. He's not trying to do, he's not fooling with us. He's not playing with us. He's, he's long-suffering. He's, he's waiting on us. What is he waiting on? What, what is God waiting on us? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's long-suffering. He's long. And, and whenever, he, whenever he acquires that thing that he's waiting on, whatever it is that he is waiting on, the Bible tells us that then he will avenge them speedily. What that tells me is that no matter how long it's been that you've been praying for this situation, Please do not get angry with God. Please do not blame him. Hallelujah. You can say, well, that's easy to say, Brother Hilton. That's easy for you to think. You're not in my prayer closet. You don't know what I've been praying for. You're, you're, you're right. There have been things I've been praying for for probably 15, 16 years. I still haven't seen the answer. But that does not mean I'm going to stop. You know why? Because I know where my answer comes from. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know where your answer comes from. Hallelujah. God is waiting. That is not necessarily a bad thing, by the way. 
He's long-suffering. He's helping you. He's waiting on you to get to wherever it is. And, and I heard somebody shout out faith a minute ago. And yeah, I believe it perhaps is a level of faith that he's waiting for you to get to. But, but if you didn't have any faith, then you wouldn't be praying in the first place. So I believe that your faith is there. Amen. But I don't know. I've heard pastor talk about this a number of times. He talked about it using the layaway plan analogy where, you, you know, I, and by the way, I, I'm, I'm old enough to at least remember it. So FYI, pastor, my grandma bought me, I forgot what it was, but at Walmart, the one over on Black Bob, we had, I forget what it was, but we put something in layaway and I was like, wow, dude, this is crazy. This is neat. And then I eventually got it. I think it was something for Christmas. But anyway, I, I digress. You understand the concept of the layaway program, right? Have you heard that? Looking for a nose. All right, good. Everybody said yes. And you can, I'll give you a reference if you need. To, uh, I'll go find it. I promise. But, but for the interest of time, I see we got nine minutes left, and I want to get to the point here. But that... And, and Brother Bean, in, in the book on prayer, which I highly recommend you read if you haven't, that he talks about memorial-type prayers, that you, you lay up prayers. In fact, this is a scriptural, uh, this is a scriptural concept. Cornelius, in, in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band, called the Italian band, a devout man, one that... Feared God with all his house and gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Huh. Somebody had some faith. In a time where he didn't even deserve the answer. You understand, this is the first Gentile that received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. He had no promise that he knew of, he just prayed. He gave alms. He just did what he knew was right. He just had an unshakable faith that I know where my answer is. I know the one to whom I should be speaking. Amen. If I have a need, I'm going to pray and never stop until I get my answer. Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10, Verse 3, he saw in a vision. This is Cornelius. He saw in a vision. This Gentile heathen, for lack of a better term, maybe you could come up with some better descriptions there, but saw in a vision. Well, he wasn't a heathen because the Bible says he was devout. But uh, in the eyes of the Jews who were racist, they, they were looking at these, these Gentiles that Cornelius was like, wow, dude. What the, how does this guy receive the Holy Ghost? But he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in to him. Doesn't that sound familiar? Anybody remember us talking about Daniel who prayed for 21 days? What did the angel tell him? I'm come for your word. The day that you begin, you try to understand, I started moving. But I was, I was waiting. I was fighting. There was other circumstances. And we don't understand all that is going on in the heavenly realm that is preventing us from getting our answer. So that is why we should just continue to pray. That's why Cornelius 
the angel of God came into him and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 tells us that if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. He's not, he's not just sitting up there saying, well, I wonder how many I can make her pray. I wonder how many times I can make her do this or he, him do this. He's long-suffering to us where he's trying for us. He's reaching for us. And he's, he's waiting for the earliest opportunity. Do you understand what I'm trying to convey to you? He's waiting for the earliest opportunity. And as soon as we, that flicker, maybe it is faith. Maybe it's whatever it is that God is looking for out of you in that time. As soon as you get there, he will avenge you speedily. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive them their sin and will hear the, heal their land. Daniel chapter 10, verse 20. Fear not, Daniel. From the first day thou didst set thine heart to understand and lo, to chasten thyself before thy God. Thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. Hallelujah. I want, if, if, if nothing else happens tonight, if, I, if you leave this place and if I leave this place with just a little bit more faith, I feel like I have accomplished what I've come to do. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. If you don't have anything to pray for, Look around. This is a long prayer list. Pray for Brother Jerome. Pray for Brother Caleb. Pray for Brother Larson. Pray for Bishop and my Bishop. <laughs> That's what Paul said. He said, pray always with all prayer, supplication in the spirit, watching there too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And notice what he says in verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 6. He says, and for me. So pray for the saints and for me. Pray for Bishop. Pray for Sister Riggin. Pray for everybody that's a part of this congregation. This is why. And I think this is a great opportunity for sh shameless plug here. That, that commitment, that form that, that I mentioned at just a couple of weeks ago. We're getting ready to start the month of March. And I appreciate all the commitments that I received regarding that. I believe God wants to build our faith, wants us to become more of a praying church, to come closer to him and come with that memorial type prayer. God, I don't care if I haven't seen it yet. I don't care how many times I've been in this altar. I'm coming again because I'm unshaken in my faith. I believe. I still believe. I, I'm, I've been there. 
church. I, I've, I've struggled with my faith too. I mentioned the prayer I've, I've been praying. I, I've, I've been praying for a specific answer for over 15 years and I believe that God has the answer. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm unshaken because I know he is where my answer is. I'm not going to turn to somebody else or anything else. I, that, that would be a waste of my time. You know what's not a waste of my time? So go find that sweet hour of prayer one more time. Find that place in the presence of God and say, God, I know you've heard this one before. I feel the Holy Ghost trying to draw some of you tonight. Perhaps you've prayed it 10,000 times. Can you pray it one more time? Don't be shaken, Simon. The Lord told Simon in, in Luke chapter 22, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you. I've been praying for you, Peter. And why did Jesus pray for Peter? I think, yeah, primarily because you know, Satan was desiring to have him, but also to be an example to him. He said, I pray for you that your faith would fail not. And he said, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. What does that mean? You need to be praying for your brothers. Hey, you know, when you get to that place where you feel like, okay, I'm doing a little better now. Well, guess what? There's probably somebody else that needs some prayer. So there is never a good opportunity to stop praying. I know this is simple. I didn't come to blow your minds tonight. Simon, I'm praying for you. But when you get better, when you're getting on top of things, if it was anybody else, I think he might have said something like, pray for me. Instead of, he said, strengthen your brother. Pray for somebody else. You need to help them. Uh, Peter said in, in a later passage, the one that Jesus prayed for, he said, be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. If we could all stand together. Verse 9, Peter said, whom resist steadfast in the faith with an unshakable faith knowing that the same afflictions the thing that you're facing are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world you're not going through this alone child of God you're not the only one who's ever faced this problem you need to resist with unshakable faith and strengthen your brethren therefore my beloved brethren first corinthians chapter 15 verse 58 i'm coming to a close be ye steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain i know it's easy for us to come up with excuses and, and good reasons to stop praying. But I'm here to just preach a simple message. Never, ever stop. 
there's never a good reason to stop. He is long-suffering to us word. He's waiting for that moment where he can jump in and say, See, I was here the whole time. I was waiting the whole time for you to get to this point. Maybe that means that we need to do something different than we have done before in our previous prayer. Maybe, maybe we've gotten into a bit of a rut in our prayer. And God's just waiting for us to get out of that. Maybe God is just, I, I, I think it's unique to each circumstance, which is why it's a bit vague. Whatever it is, remain unshakable in your faith. Let's lift our hands to the Lord right now. Jesus, I do believe you. Help thou mine unbelief. Jesus, I trust you. I believe you, Savior. I'm asking you right now that you would strengthen the faith of this church family. Every member of this congregation, I pray that their faith would not fail. I pray, God, that your spirit would enter into this room. And God, give grace, give strength. Anoint the minds and the hearts and the spirits of each and every one of these good and faithful people. I pray your anointing would destroy every yoke. God, heal the brokenhearted. God, mend, Lord, the broken body. God, I'm asking you to bring healing virtue into this room. Hallelujah. Strengthen and uphold with thy right hand. Come on, that's it, church. Let's pray.